The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum for today's preview of the New York Giants' next matchup, that being against the Las Vegas Raiders, a game where the Giants... Seemingly every single week they're looking to bounce back, but this is another game where the Giants are looking to bounce back after a grueling loss uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs, one that was very, very close, a game that we all deemed was winnable, and we had a really good conversation about that, Nick and I. If you happen to miss that, make sure to go check that out. Chris, we didn't get to hear from you, so I, and I know you you were traveling this past weekend, so we, we didn't get to, to grab you for the uh, for the for that recap show. But any thoughts and takeaways before we end up talking about Raiders? Uh, uh, well, honestly, I'm just going off of what I have read about the game because I didn't get to see it. Like, I, you know, like you said, I was traveling. Uh, I had to be up at four o'clock the following morning. And sorry, sorry, Giants fans, I'm not staying up <laughs> to midnight to watch Monday night football when I have to be up four hours later and driving eight hours. I'm sorry. Well, and to be fair, I also would not have stayed up until midnight to watch <laughs> what happened in that game, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no. And, it, and honestly, I was, lo- I was really looking forward to the Manning cast for that one, but yeah, it, some things are more important than football. And yeah, you know, I really just want to give a shout out to you, Nick, Ed for really giving me the, the, freedom to go see two of my best friends get married again so yeah and, and certainly uh always glad to provide that opportunity to you glad you enjoyed your weekend and you didn't have to suffer through the chiefs game like <laughs> like nick and i did and ed did but uh we're moving on to las vegas we're talking about the raiders here on today's show and diving right in let's let's get into to, to breaking down this roster because they have a, a really interesting season thus far. They've dealt with some controversy that with John Gruden. They're, they're dealing with more controversy now, which adds to their uh, their plate of things that they need to to work through, which is the Henry Ruggs deal. Uh, we're not going to go into the, the the full breakdown of all that stuff because I'm sure you've all seen the the fatal car crash that he was involved in. But stuff like that is certainly going to weigh down a football team, a team that's actually been surging right now, a team that's been doing really, really good, that has produced some really good results. Ruggs was the team's leading receiver. They're going to be without him indefinitely because 
He's probably going to be serving jail time, and he was also cut. But speaking on what works well for this, this Raiders team, Chris, we've got a team that is moving the ball really effectively through the air. And Derek Carr has been mentioned in MVP discussions. He's probably going to lose to Matthew Stafford, but he has looked really, really good this year. And it's because he doesn't have just one guy he's throwing to. He's got a lot of great receivers that he can push the ball to. And that has resulted in them statistically having one of the best passing offenses in the NFL. Yeah, right now, Derek Carr is right up there with Tom Brady and Matt Stafford as far as just quarterback ability goes. He is having a career year. And, you know, he, it seems like he has these every once in a while where like, I remember his sophomore year, everybody was expecting him to, you know, come out and play at a MVP caliber level. And then the following year he gets hurt and it takes him, it took him a solid 18 months to come back from that injury. And the Raiders never seem to get everything around him at one time. But when they do, you know, he really does have that kind of ability. In fact, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Matt Stafford right now, right now, where he is playing just a excellent football, where he's attacking all levels of the field, doing so accurately, spreading the ball around, you know, fully in command of the offense. But he isn't quite getting the recognition at the national level. And part of it is because, you know, the Raiders, you know, we're not used to thinking them thinking of them as leading their division, but that's where they are right now. And also, you know, they're new to Las Vegas and Las Vegas really isn't a football city. I think that kind of is, that kind of plays a role as well, where you, they're a little bit out of sight, out of mind. But right now, Derek Carr is playing really, really great football. Yeah, he has been playing fantastically. And you know for, uh, not for like an ultimate fact, but you can tell that Derek Carr is the reason why this offense is doing so much better than it has in the past. It's not the result of him being boosted by a bunch of guys that are playing well or because the run game's doing well. Because right now, this is going to be surprising for some people. Their run game is the second worst in the NFL. They're, they only have like around like 500 and something yards. They're like under 600 yards by a few yards, which is crazy to see because they've got Josh Jacobs, who is a great running back and had a really good start to his year. They've got also some good backups, but they have really struggled to move the ball on the ground. So you really do know that Derek Carr has reached that level of, of his development as a quarterback, that he is playing at a really high level, improving the level of play of the guys around him, getting the ball to. It helps that he's got guys like Darren Waller. But if you look at the rest of the group, I mean, like Zay Jones, He's a decent receiver. Hunter Renfro, decent receiver. None of these guys are all pro-level guys, and he is playing so, so well within the structure of that offense despite some of the issues that they've been dealing with. Yeah, and really, but also despite the fact that the Raiders' offensive line is not performing all that well right now, which I think is the biggest factor in their run game struggling, where they're just not creating a push-up front. They're not creating... Uh, many holes for Josh Jacobs to hit. And yeah, that does make life harder on a quarterback as Giants fans well know. And the fact that, you know, that Derek Carr is playing as well as he is and spreading the ball around as well as he is, and they still can't get a running game going. Yeah. I think that is really commentary on how much their offensive line is struggling. 
And one thing that's going to be really interesting to monitor in this game, Chris, is if the Giants do an effective job slowing down th- their rushing attack, uh, I almost wonder how that how things are going to match up going against their receivers. We saw last game that Adoree Jackson and James Bradbury did a really good job in pass coverage. The scheme was was perfectly drawn up by Patrick Graham to hold the Chiefs only 20 points. They were able to completely eliminate Travis Kelsey. They might be able to do produce similar results against Darren Waller if they were able to do that against Kelsey. But if they want to win this game, I think that they just need to try to replicate that same performance that they had against the Chiefs. And part of what went into it was that they almost said, go ahead, try to run the ball. You guys don't have Edwards Hilaire. Uh, They were working in Derek Gore. They were working in Daryl Williams. And they had some big gains. They were running the ball well. They made some mistakes on some rushing plays. But I almost think that this might be a game where they again say, go ahead, run the ball. You're having a tough time doing it. We're just going to be ready for you to throw the ball, and we're going to be only really prepared for that. If you're going to pick up 10 yards on a rushing play, you know, go for it. We're not letting you you, uh, kill us deep or or kill us with any big passing plays. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that is what the Giants go for on the defensive side. Now, without Henry Ruggs, the Raiders are going to be missing that burner vertical threat. And that will make it harder for them to create space underneath for guys like Hunter Renfro, who, yeah, he, it feels like he has been around for a decade by now, just because it felt like he spent about eight years at Clemson. But he is a really good route runner. He's got suction cups on his hands. He catches everything. And he is a tough guy to stop when you're playing zone coverages because he's got a really good knack for finding the voids in those zones, finding the soft spots and making himself open. And you combine that with a guy like Darren Waller, who, you know, he was a wide receiver. He really is a wide receiver in a tight ends body. He is ridiculously athletic for the position he now plays. He's a huge guy, six, six, two forty ish. I think, yeah, that is a, difficult matchup and the way they move him around creates a lot of difficult matchups so without Henry Ruggs that will allow the Giants to kind of concentrate on stopping those two guys but that's also tough to do now not not having to worry about the run game will again help but you know this is one of those things where it's easier said than done especially when you've got a quarterback playing as well as Carr Certainly going to be a difficult task, but it could be a, a good matchup for the Giants to sneak out a win here. They looked good, really good defensively against the Chiefs. It's all a matter of what the Giants do on offense, which is the same damn thing that we talk about <laughs> every freaking week, Chris. So here we are. Here we go again. The Giants are playing a good defense. They're not scoring any points. They can't run the ball. They choose not to run the ball, and they also can't throw the ball because nobody's on the field and healthy. So Here they come. They're playing against the Raiders. And the thing that needs to be well described here when talking about the Raiders is how underrated their defensive line is and how freaking good their defensive line is. It is led by Yannick Ngakwe, who longtime, very talented Jaguars defender. He was with the Ravens. Now he's with the Raiders. He looks fantastic. A player that you almost wonder, hey, why didn't the Giants try to pursue him in free agency? And then on top of that, a mid-round guy, that they were able to uh, develop pretty quickly. Max Crosby out of Eastern Michigan has been super productive, leading the team with five sacks so far this year. Cleveland Farrell has not done 
crap so far, the <laughs> former fourth overall pick. But that defensive line has been a problem for opposing offenses, which makes them statistically one of the best passing defenses in the NFL. Uh, we'll get to some of those stats in a second, but this is going to be a day where, yet again, we are going to be praying for the health and protection of Daniel Jones, and then they can get the freaking ball out before he's on his back. Yeah, and I think that is going to be a big part of the Giants' game plan is getting the ball out quickly. Yeah, You talk about Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. Those two guys lead the team in sacks. Crosby's got five, and Ngakwe's got four. Crosby is far and away on the trajectory to have a career year. Uh, I believe he's already had more total quarterback pressures than in, in either of his two years, and the season's only half over with. Yeah, these neither of these guys are really fast rushers. They're not speed rushers, but they both have really high motors. They both play with great leverage, and they're they are quick. So I think that is going to be a challenge for Nate Solder and Matt Pear. And then yeah, their backups got Carl Nassib, who is a guy I've liked going back to Penn State, where you know he's got great length, great size. He's a really smart rusher, and they also have Solomon Thomas, who can play inside or outside. Again, two more guys with a good strength and you know just solid players. Neither one is you know a real major threat as a pass rusher, but they're also not really going to hurt the defense when they're on the field, which I think is about the most you can hope for with backups. So why do I think the Giants are going to target the shallow areas number one to get the ball out quick but also this is a gus bradley defense this is a classic gus bradley defense they live in cover three defenses yeah so the place to attack for those are the seams down the field between the three deep coverage zones and then the shallow flats considering how quickly the giants are going to need to get rid of the ball and also just looking at you know, whoever they're going to have available to catch the ball. You know, the left and right sides of the fields, probably five, seven yards deep is where they're going to live. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, 
It's played. Before it's frozen in time. It's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next? Will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, this schematically, there there are approaches that they can go after it and try to attack them. What it, I, again still is going to be the the big issue is trying to produce yards against that defensive line. That's probably going to be the defining factor, really, in this one. Is is what do they do against those defensive linemen? Are they going to be able to effectively block against that unit, which has um, been you know very very disruptive so far this year? But you're talking about uh, one thing that stands out to me, though, statistically, uh, if you haven't already hit on this, Chris, is that you indicated that they're second in yards after catch allowed. And then they're also top five in 20 plus yard gains allowed. So they're, they're the fifth least amount allowed so far this season. Um, and I think that really lines up with the, the fact that they are a rallying team. They swarm to the football. They're a really well-disciplined tackling defense. And that is the little things are really how you put together a good defense that necessarily doesn't have a superstar on it. You just got a bunch of dudes that know where they need to be and know what they need to do. Yeah, this is a really, really well-coached defense. I didn't see any big breakdowns when I was watching them you know, for this preview. They, Everybody knows their assignment. And they execute their assignment. You know, they've got guys who are having really great seasons, you know, Crosby and Ngakwe, uh, Bradley Fashion, and, you know, the rest of their cornerbacks. Yeah. You know, the one guy who I would excuse from that is rookie cornerback Nate Hobbs. I mean, he's having a, a good season because it's his very first season, but he's giving a pretty high catch percentage. And that's something the Giants can look to target. But overall, none of these guys, you know, Trevin Mulrig, Jonathan Adam, you know, their safeties, none of these guys are missing tackles. You, you go over to Pro Football Reference and you start going through their roster and it's like one missed tackle, two missed tackles, two missed tackles, one missed tackle. And that's it for the season. And I think that is a big reason why they aren't giving up big gains and why they're only second in the league in yards after catch allowed because they are tackling securely. They're rallying to the football. They play fast. They don't have big breakdowns. Like you said, they do the little things well. And if you're not going to have an Aaron Donald or a Miles Garrett or a player like that to throw at an offense, you know, the best way to play defense is to do the little things well and not have mistakes that opposing offenses can take advantage of. Yeah, that that is you know really really crucial. I think in this, and it's the best way to describe it. Where you will probably see an approach almost from this defense that if they do allow anything, they're going to be very very quick to rally and and shut anything down. And that's actually kind of been a, a killer for this Giants offense is that they don't produce a lot of really big splash plays. And this is going to be a game where that stuff is not even going to probably be even possible because of how effective they are in rallying, in, in coming up and making plays, uh, in tackling effectively because um, you know be, because of how good that they do that stuff. So there's probably not going to be many opportunities for any of those really big plays in this game. It might be a really slow, drawn-out, pick-up-a-couple-plays-here-and-there. Probably not going to be super high-scoring for this, this Giants offense. No, probably not. The, the one thing I am going to be looking to see 
is how often the Raiders blitz because they are dead last in blitz in blitz rate. They just do not call a whole lot of blitzes. I think they called something like 35, maybe 38 blitzes all year long. But the interesting thing is when they do blitz, it is really effective. Yeah, you know, part of that, uh, strong safety is Jonathan Abram. He he is quick and explosive downhill. He's got a really good knack for timing his rushes and just knowing how to beat blockers into the backfield. But also, part of it is Gus Bradley blitzes so infrequently, it's really hard for opposing offenses <laughs> to get a feel for the situations when he is going to blitz and a feel for the the wrinkles and you know coverage adjustments he makes in preparation for blitzing because everything always looks the same. Yeah, that's that's tricky trying to deal with that stuff. And it almost if if you're creating pressure and you're getting home and getting quarterback hits without blitzing, you almost don't even really need to try to blitz because you're already doing it so effectively. So that's what makes this game really dangerous for this Giants offensive line, for this Giants offense in general, is that they're not even going to really see any of that stuff. And they might also acknowledge that, hey, in some of these games where Daniel Jones is blitzed, he does tend to make mistakes. So they might try to find, as you talked about, ways to disguise some of those situations where they can sneak up on him and hit him with a blitz and then hopefully get a turnover out of him. Um, but that is, that's a really good point that you bring up. He does not really blitz a lot, and it's, it's going to be really important on how they pick that stuff up and also just in general, how well that they play uh, against that defensive line. Yeah. And yeah, I do expect Daniel Jones to be under at least some level of duress. I I wouldn't be surprised if the giants, you know, lean into play action. If they try to move the pocket, play a lot more, uh, or use the, uh, the read option some more to try to slow down this Raiders pass rush. Yeah. Because while they, while they, they're kind of middling in terms of pass rush win rate. I believe they do lead the NFL right now in quarterback knockdowns. So when they do get into the backfield, it usually means the quarterback is going to wind up on his butt. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is going to be an important game for the Giants if they do want to bounce back. Still, we we talked about this last show that they're still technically not out of any possibility of uh, making the wild card with how bad some of the teams are in that seventh spot. So still on their radar. They're going to need to play well in this game against a really, really good team that has surprised a lot of people. Uh, Stay tuned for after the game. We'll be talking about the game and be sure to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our 